a treat today. Hey, we've got Dr. Tracy in town. <laughs> Tracy, it's lovely to have you. Tracy Chandler, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's so cool to be here. I feel honoured, really honoured. Well, you, you fit right in because she'd be one of the most authentic women I know. What do you reckon, James? He's, he's got a lovely, Sorry. he's got <laughs> right in front of him because we're in a cafe in Auckland. You're looking very uh, Aucklandy, James. Like I, you <laughs> held that cup with such disdain. Is that the word? Let me see. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Little finger looks good. And we got James with Liz in person. Hey, old buddy and Steph. Yesterday we spent the day, James, Steph, and I, and we went out to see the horse whisperer. Um, I'll put the the recording of her work underneath this, but. Um, James just so connects with horses, don't you? Because horses see, she was explaining, horses can tell if someone's not authentic. They can really tell straight away. She'll often have, um, she had a group of brain injured people there yesterday from car accidents and all sorts of things. Horses are very healing. But she said when she works with um, corporate groups, she can see straight away if the, if the corporate leader is an actual leader or if they have qualities. Or what type of leader they are. If they're like a leader that needs to, to follow a script or if they're a leader that naturally leads or if they're a leader, that, you know what I mean? Like they're all different types of leaders, I suppose. And horses can see right through them and that these horses just loved James, loved him straight away. That's because I'm a farmer. Yeah, probably. But you're a I think I think we can all see through the layers of crap that we put on top of ourselves we all know if people are being authentic I really believe that it's just we either don't believe we can or we, you know we've just got layers of conditioning on top of us that forget you know makes us forget that we can see all that I think that, that's a really powerful point Tracy and I also think there might be like if I look back in my life at the judgments I used to have for people's you know facade or identity or whatever you know what had me not confront that authentically with my friends and family was that I had my own version of that. Yeah. yeah. So I've been learning a bit more about authenticity this, this last weekend. Tell us. Jono. Um, I yeah. took Jono's advice and uh, Graham, who works for Jono Advice, and I jumped on this. Um, it's a cool landmark forum. Um, I've just finished it. Today is my last session tonight. Uh, today, yesterday we had it off. So we did 13 hours on Friday, 13 hours on Saturday, 13 hours on Sunday. And then today, uh, yesterday we had it off and today's the last, the last sort of part of it tonight. I don't actually know what that bit's about. I don't know, but I don't. Um, but yeah, it took a lot about authenticity, but to, funny enough, because I've been doing this sort of chat every week and I said this last week and I said it the week before, I think as well, that this, this chat here is actually does it as much for me as it does for anyone else watching it because I just, I grow as a person and I understand myself better because I see different parts of myself because like pretty much everything is, well, we try to be authentic the whole time, which means unfiltered in my opinion. It sort of just, it just comes whatever's in here and here, well, probably from here actually rather yeah. than here because you don't think mm. about it. Um, and I've grown a lot over the last couple of probably a year, but the last six months I've grown even more. And all it did to me was explain what I'd already been feeling, but it made me feel a lot better about what I've been feeling anyway, because I kind of, I realized a lot of the stuff without knowing what they, what terms they use to define it. And that made, yeah, that just made a lot of sense to me to be fair. 
Mm, I think society conditions us to get further and further away from ourselves, whether it's distracting us with social media or through the teaching in schools and, and tapping. One of the things I do with my patients is trying to get them back to themselves, you know, to the core of who they are and, and to fall in love with who they are, not just, you know, find that person, but actually fall in love because we spend so much time judging ourselves. We're our worst critics and social media is just set up for us to criticize ourselves even more. So it's just great that they've got these courses out there that can do that sort of help you do that sort of work, James. The, the most amazing part of it was um, it's like a really safe space. It doesn't really feel like that when you first get in there, but by the end of the first day, you can sort of feel that it's a pretty safe space. And then people start sharing and people cheer and cheer and cheer. And the, the more vulnerable the people share at what level, the more it opens up the room to everyone. And mm. by the end of it, it hit a space where the last time I actually felt that feeling of vibration or felt that whole sense of feeling wasn't actually in Wellington. <laughs> Wow. And that was when I was trying to describe it to some of the other people because I obviously didn't want to go say that because I didn't want to, as soon as you say something that you get referred judged. to it, you get judged. So I didn't say anything about it. But some people come to me at the end and said, I don't know, I noticed something about you. And then they looked, my, looked me up on, over the days and they said, you're fine, James, I don't, you know, it was something. I'm like, oh, oh, please don't tell anyone else. And just, you know, just keep this out because I'd rather people get to know me, not what the media make out pretend like I am. And I think that's quite powerful. Um, but I think I think people will see through what the media say anyway, James, because they would have sensed and felt and seen and heard your authentic self, which just wipes out really. It neutralizes what the media say. Yeah, but I just would like I like some people weren't on that level at the at different mm. times. They were about the end, but if you did on the first day, it would have put this wing. This and some people just can't break that. It's a pretty strong barrier for some people. So um I ended up being quite good friends with some people that would not be friends with me if they knew that I was Farmer James. And then it was just funny to tell them at the end, and they're like, "Oh my god!" And then they, but they were we talked and they had awesome conversations, and it was just like, I don't know, it was something you can't really, I don't know, you can't make up. Really, it was pretty amazing seeing some. One of the transformations that amazed me the most was the guy that went from having this like really. I went out for dinner with him on the middle night, and he just felt. He just said this, this, this like inner turmoil or anger, and then he, he let it off his chest on the last day. And honestly, the smile that I see come out of his face that yeah, that, that meant more to me than anything that happened the whole weekend was that guy being able to open up to himself. And I told him he actually looked over at me because when I was talking to him in the um at dinner, I said to him, Until you get that that thing you've got in your pocket at the moment until you get it and chuck it in the bin and get rid of it you know you'll get nowhere and it took him a whole nother day and he looked over to me when he grabbed and he grabbed hold of it and looked over to me and he, he just he just acknowledged that what it was and then he couldn't quite get rid of it and then another hour later he he really got rid of it and honestly the weight just went you could feel it and then he was crying the big strong guys crying in front of the whole room but he thought everyone was judging him and everyone was right there with him at that moment. And, you know, he got, he got reminded that everyone in here is with you right now for you to, for, to help you. And he, he just, he was looking around and he, he could feel it as well. Because, like, like, I had a tear in my eye trying to, you know, help, trying to want him to, to, to see it. And he was just, you could just tell he was in a turmoil, he was in it, in it, and then it let it off. And honestly, the weight just went... It was really beautiful when they were telling me that story yesterday because no details, so it's still anonymous. But 
that thing in the pocket was this metaphorical thing he couldn't release. And then um, I realized under the anger always, what do you reckon about this, Tracy? Under the anger is often guilt. And then, and then the next layer of silt is actually very deep sadness, obviously. But anger used to mask, you know, guilt, sadness. And, and fear. now, as we come out of this nightmare in New Zealand, um, I, I just came to pick up James at the hotel and the person in the hotel and I said, oh, can I contact James? He's wearing a mask. And I, you know, I, <laughs> I probably shouldn't have done it, but I said, oh, all this rubbish, we can let go of now. Isn't that great? And he goes, oh, I've got a bit of a cough. And I went, yeah, you know, we've always had coughs. We've always got through with coughs. <laughs> and then this voice in my head went, shut up now, Liz. That's enough. That's enough. Let him be. Let him choose. <laughs> Liz, Liz is being a hypocrite though, because yesterday Liz told me I'm going to have no respect for these people that just take their masks off today because they got told to. So. <laughs> Judgment. <laughs> I think I think actually all emotions and behaviour comes from fear. Yes. It all boils down to fear, you know, whether it's fear of people judging us or fear of health issues or yes. um, fear of not having a job. You know, it all comes down from from fear but people don't want to acknowledge fear because we're told you know at school and by parents be strong you know what are you afraid of and and yeah. so we come up with these other um you know surrogate emotions you know guilt and anger and and project them onto other people because that's so much easier than than acknowledging our own fear and dealing with our own fear mm. we we learned john obedica to be the detail but we learned that it's about how you look you always refer everything you do to how well, if you're looking good and people are too scared to be themselves because they won't look good. So it's sort of like in a turmoil the way I've seen it was. That's why it's hard to be authentic because if you're being authentic and it doesn't make you look good, then all of a sudden you you won't say what you really want to say and then you'll get that guilt because you're not saying what you want to say and then you just, you're just like, well, you get into a bit of a, um, I don't know, it's like a cycle of not being able to say what you want to say. And then but mm. that's one thing that we've sort of released to a certain extent, obviously, Dr. Tracy can't say probably everything she might want to say because of other things, but me and uh, me and John and Liz can pretty much say whatever we want to say. We can <laughs> laugh at ourselves, all of us, and Tracy, you've got a gorgeous sense of laughing. I call it sort of that Buddha laugh where you think, oh, that's a ridiculous thing to hang on to. You've got it, Jono. You've got it big time, where you can just go, <laughs> oh, that's stupid. Why would I hang on to that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, talking talking about being authentic, James, call me Tracy, not Dr. Tracy. It's just a label. It's just a couple of letters. Please get rid of it. <laughs> I say own it. Just take it. Like you didn't do all this work just to be not Dr. Tracy. <laughs> just You're feels weird. Dr. Tracy is <laughs> just it, isn't it? We we say farmer James. Just Jono. Oh, could we have a moment here to just um this is sad to me, but um, teacher Joe, uh, his, uh, his school has said because he has expressed his God-given right to express his own views and um, be an authentic human being and stand for the value he stands for in what's meant to be a democratic society, his school has um, said, no, 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 that doesn't fit with the kind of government narrative that we've fully adopted in the school, so we're going to release you. So beautiful teacher Joe, who must be such a wonderful teacher, has now gone back on the scaffolding with a wonderful guy called Trevor, who really looks out for him when he got mandated. But um, I just wanted to say, um, it really upsets me that that school's done this. And 
that's not being judgmental. It's just such a loss to you because your pupils need a teacher like Joe. And the second thing is uh, my son and I were talking, we were going, there must be lots of people in that area who want private teaching. And please, if you see this, please spread the word. And what would be the sort of area that he could cover, Jono? Because he could privately coach and he would be such a gift to any young person who is and being even, taught at home. If, even yeah. remotely, he could probably teach remotely too, anywhere in the country. Great idea. He could Zoom teach. Yeah, I'd yeah. Zoom consult. You know, 95% of medicine's really in the history, so you know, even more so for teaching. Yes, because he's a history teacher anyway, so nah. oh. um, I, don't <laughs> want to, I don't want to put Joe in just a bracket because... Honestly, if I had the teacher like Joe, I reckon I would have loved school a lot more than what I did because he's just such Same. a such an epic guy that just like can he just transcends boundaries and yeah, like I I felt a real like feeling of just disappointment when I heard that and it wasn't it wasn't just on the school it was because he got targeted by a piece by these lefty loonies that have just gone out to get people and it's just like well, why are you doing that it's just I don't even, I don't really like going left or right, but I'm just saying that it's like these people that have just been sent out there and I don't know whether they're just, I don't think they're probably getting paid by the government, but they're, they're definitely getting incentivized by their wee pats on the back for being a wee. Well, if you check it out, debunking conspiracies, Aotearoa, it's pretty, it's a, uh, if you just flick through a few of the posts, you'll quickly get a sense of the kind of narrative that, that that organization is trying to create and it's not painted joe in a powerful light it's it's really just picking pieces out and it's a bit like um you know in, in 1984 the great you know ruler is is gets all the people worked up about a about an enemy or a, about a threat and that enemy or threat doesn't exist but they create it to have everyone focus on this thing like you know get them all riled up and that's really coming through strong in what I was reading in a few of those posts. You know, the enemy doesn't exist, but we'll create it just to get people baited. And we have to be careful not to play into that dualistic trap and respond to them as the enemy. You know, we've got to, as hard as it is sometimes, send them love and light, which sounds a bit mm. Pollyanna, hippie-ish, but it, it really works. If you send them love and light, it just diffuses, not literally, but, it, it, you know, it, it can diffuse what they're saying. So it, I would say literally, Tracy. Yeah, I think yeah, I think so. Because, mm. you know, we talked about fear mm. before, and we, and we you talked about, you know, anger, and I would say that's right at the top of the surface level of expression of fear is anger. And it's, yeah. the, it's, the, it's the easiest for men, especially, you know, we played, I was the tough guy for all my life. Don't come near me. Oh, and, women um, can be pretty nasty too, John. Oh, yeah, yes. definitely. They and, just and like, you work down, yeah. you start peeling off the layers and then there's, you know, there's fear and then there's guilt and then there's sadness and underneath it all, you know, and, and James will be discovering this too and, I, and everyone's on different journeys, but underneath it all, I would, I would assert that this is the same for everyone is like this deepest expression of love. And if we're, if we're given that from someone, all of those other layers are wiped away. Totally, but we've got to give it to ourselves first. Just like the mm. sound on the plane, you've got to put your own oxygen mask on first. That's the critical thing. People, I, I, try, I try this with nearly every patient, get them to look in the mirror and say, I love you. 
and they struggle they really struggle with that because they're just again conditioned not to love themselves there's no way they can love anyone else unless they love themselves first again sounds a bit hippie pollyannish but it works it really works it's not pollyannish tracy i remember years ago this friend rod told me got close to the mirror really close like right in front of you and look right into your own eyes. You don't even say anything. You just look in and see what you see and who you see. And then what I saw was so sad that I burst into tears and I came out of the room and he went, yeah, yeah, did you cry too? He said, yeah, I cried. Because mm. he saw his own sadness. I saw my own sadness of not being fully authentic at that stage in my life in the world. And then I've done it since. And there are times I just see real love Sometimes I see anger, you know, some, I just see who I am in that day, but really up close, but keep looking like not a minute, try to hold it for two minutes, your own eyes. It's, mm -hmm. it's really hard to do it first. Yeah. I think some people are a bit resistant because they're worried that if they do that, they'll be perceived or they'll think of themselves as being narcissistic. Wow. It's a real difference between genuinely authentically loving yourself and saying I love you you know in a kind of narcissistic way and and you just you'll feel it if you look mm. in the mirror with a narcissistic viewpoint you'll know your soul will know and it will feel ugh, yuck mm. it's not referring to yourself as your body either this is not looking mm. at your body saying I love you this is looking in through the the eyes which is you know the portal to the soul and, yes. and I would assert that this is the same even when you like I've done an exercise with a uh, I did it with three different people this one exercise where we just stood face to face and looked in each other's eyes and what came up every time was just tears and what I would see and this was the same when I did it with myself is the same thing I saw was like this helpless boy that just wanted so much to be loved and and who's that totally totally and, and listen to as well. And I think that's why your course, James, is so powerful because, you know, for the first time ever, people are probably being really listened to. And that's one of the reasons I found conventional medicine so frustrating is because they get 10, 15 minutes and the doctor's not really listening. They're thinking about what script they can give them. It's pretty much right from the outset. You know, I, I do hour long appointments and just, just listening is so healing to people. And that's what you've experienced, James, and, and you know, seeing and, and, and listening is really deeply to ourselves or to other people is something most people aren't used to. Because I, I said to, well, I, I said it, um, I don't think that guy that, broke, that took that layers down would have got as much out of going to 10 years of therapy because mm. the therapist doesn't share with you. You share with the therapist, so there's no vulnerability given. So all you're doing is telling, you, you could just tell it to yourself in the mirror. And it's so different because you're not getting listened to, but it's when you're actually getting listened, when you're getting listened to because you know that guy's taking that vulnerability away. Well, they, they're giving you that vulnerability and telling their own story. That's where the power comes. It doesn't come by just a one-way conversation. And there's some people in that room that are really needy. And I'm not a needy person. I don't, I don't need anyone. Need, you know, need this. No, I do. I need my wife, but... I don't, I'm not a needy person, but some people there love the neediness of it, but it's not about being needy. It's about standing in your own power and um, proving to you as much as anyone else that you are a, a strong being and you don't need anyone else. But they, I think these guys almost at some point when they try and sell it to you, which I really don't, I don't like, 
one one bit about this whole course is where they try to like make you go back more and more. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. If it's that good, I'm just going to want to come back. I'm going to want to come back for the next one and I'm going to want to come back for the one after that. And I'm, and I'm you know, it was, it was only about $885 or something for a three-day course, 13 hours a day. Very reasonably priced. I, I felt that it was very reasonably priced. Um, on an hourly basis, yeah. Oh, mm. it's, it's, it's a very powerful message you're getting from it. Um, but why do you need to? Why do you need to go to any other levels of it? You don't need. You don't need the levels. I don't know though. If it comes to a to a uh, a jab though, we do need to be. Um, you know, there are times you have to push people out there. Yeah, more is better. <laughs> It depends, it depends, James. I, I kind of I know what you mean. If 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 it's working, you shouldn't have to go back. But I'm I'm rereading um, a book that I've just really found quite profound and, and listening to the course that goes with it. And I'm just re-listening and rereading because I'm getting so much more out of it each time. Um but I, I totally get your point. If it's a successful course, you shouldn't have to keep going back. Sorry, Absolutely. Sorry, that wasn't what I was saying. I was saying that if it was so good, you wouldn't need to be told to go back. You would just want to go back. Oh, to okay. It. Got you. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Slightly different. Slightly, slightly different. Yeah, it makes sense. Mm. Wow. And so um, something else that's come up, I mean, the, the queen has died. And, um, you know, as a human being, it's like, yep. Yeah, you know rest easy old girl that's what came up for me and then all this hype around like the royal family i'm just like i really just have no interest in it like i don't i i don't know what what else to say other than that but i, I found myself like people said oh she done such a great thing you know she, she was so incredible and and like I, I don't know enough about the queen to have my own judgments but i do have the question of like what's it all about you know when if someone can walk around wearing solid gold and diamonds and like this level of of richness of material things and it is all material things i, I actually just have the question of like i oh, yeah, and she's on our coins what does she do but, and, and also john I, I completely agree with you it plays into that social strategy that there's people better than us yeah why why do we need that it's just playing into and affirming to people that they're not as good as somebody else or that yeah. they might be better than somebody else it's same as like actors the, in movies yeah, we adore yeah. them like and then it's like hang on a minute who is this person <laughs> that's just acting? another human being they're all just human beings could i be just in this advocate please you don't need to ask anymore you just be that <laughs> um no i'm kidding but who's the last royal person that showed vulnerability and went to other people's level i've been told the queen was like that diana uh, and what happened to diana yeah mm -hmm. yeah in the tunnel mm. did not come out mm. can i do another heads up here too carl bromley who's standing for the mayor of christchurch whether you agree mm. with him or not is a really brave man and he's spoken up a lot and he has had some horror things like he had his house broken into on New Year's Eve um, at the beginning of this year. And personally, I, I admire anyone with the courage to speak up. He was hit yesterday and he's in hospital. He was hit on his motorbike. He's got really bad wow. liver damage. 
broken bones. Really? Really bad. Last night I saw that. And I just want us all to send love to him. And I hope that he gets in as mayor of Christchurch. And I can I can help him with his recovery. Yeah, it's really Liz, if you if you put him in touch with me, I can help him recover faster. Thank you, Tracy. I will. Yeah. That really concerns me. We, really had, a, concerns we had a chat with Carl. Hey, hey, Jono. Well, Jono, yeah, we did. We had mm, two cool, long Yeah. Yeah. Uh, any, anything anyone can do to help him. He's in Christchurch Hospital. Um, lots of love. And, you know, let's salute a fellow Kiwi who's spoken up with courage. It's, that, that to me is enough. That's mm. enough. If you stand up against the bullies, and I love the way we skated over stuff and their bullying campaigns didn't focus on it. I've just read a book about, um, I went bush last week and had a week away from all communications and read a novel, but it was a novel set in German occupied Paris in World War II. And it was amazing because in the beginning of this novel, um, there are all these Germans, you know, poncing around and they've got all the power and they're putting everybody down who is French and the French are all really quite scared of them and they love their bullying position. But towards the end, you know, Paris has fallen and the, the cards are completely flipped. Um, what was really, uh, really challenging about this novel was it was about a love story between a French woman and a German guy who didn't want to be in the war at all. It was kind of like you, Jono, he reminded me of you, this character. It's quite brave. And he didn't, he didn't buy into any of the rubbish. And, um, and of course, then the French people at the end of, of you know, when, when Paris has fallen, then there's this group of French who, as Tracy said, let's not fall and be like the people, the very oppressors. They turned into the oppressors and they ended up shaving the head of this girl, putting a swastika on her face. And yet she loved this man in a really pure, pure way. And she and he represented what humans can be, which is let's just love in the face of even war. Um, so it was a really interesting novel to make you think actually what we've been through and how as we come out of this, we do have to offer love, don't we, Tracy? We really have to offer love, not judgment and condemnation. And how do we do that? How do we do if, it? If we do if it at the very least, it throws people who are trying to attack us, throws yeah. them off their path of attack and, and even, you know, attacking themselves, which because that's where their, you know, attack on us is coming from because they're attacking them and not loving themselves. And this is not this is not like a happy conversation. Like I had it once that this whole love yourself thing was like a weird, happy, you know, oh, what is this? Like, you know, if positive affirmation stuff it's like no 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 this is not like literally you project what is going on internally at every moment and most of it's subconscious you know most of it's just like the default setting and it's it's courses like the forum that in a really short space of time you get to be like see that in a new perspective like a thing like something that you can step away from and then all of a sudden what's there it's like shit who am i if i'm not my default setting who hey, am John, I if I'm not my reaction to the world? Yes. And John, most no, people created, don't know that. Who that I've is. Created a possibility. Yes. Oh, we okay, you know how we did the Farmer James tour, right? And it wasn't really the right thing, but there was no other thing to do. I've got the thing to do. It's a, a Moa tour. We go around and have a Moa chat. We get their crew, their panel together, and we have a, a Moa chat to a deep level. And then um, and then we invite the crowd to jump in on that level. And it's like a three-hour chat or something. They can come up and just share whatever they want to share. 
create that safe space for them to share it. And then maybe it doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter what they think. It just matters as long as they can be authentic. That's the only criteria. If you want to come in, you have to be authentic. If you can't be authentic, that's, that's, that's the key. And I think it would be quite a powerful process to take around the country. I like it. I like it. Yeah, it's a matter of authenticity on the road, live. Mm. Really, yeah, he- we, really we, hearing yeah. people. We, we might record the first part of it, right? And then the rest of it's turn the cameras off and it's just it's us and them. And the only reason we do the first part is to show them what what we're doing, what level we're on. They'll feel our, they'll feel our vibration and then they'll go on that. Well, hopefully, if we do a good job, which I reckon we can, bring that vulnerability into the conversation, then they'll want to jump in that conversation and be part of it. That's a beautiful idea. Tracy, don't... The that's... healing tour. That, and that's healing, that's healing for the country. Totally. Tracy, isn't it? That's what you were saying, people being heard. Yeah. People being heard are on the way to healing already, aren't they? Yeah, it's amazing how um, many people aren't heard, even by like really close family members, you know, husbands, wives, kids not listened to by their parents, you know, not because they're mean or anything, they're just busy, distracted, haven't got time or whatever. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, really healing is hearing is healing hearing is healing there we go don't have the skills like you're not taught at school to listen Mm. you're taught to pay attention Mm. and there's there's real difference there i mean sure there is a level of attention required for powerful listening but most people can't distinguish (coughs) their internal dialogue with what's actually being said to them by the person standing in front of them Mm. you know most people it's just like the commentary about what's being said that they'll pay attention to and mm. then what comes naturally from that is some form of my own opinion based on that conversation I've just had in my head about what you said, not actually anything to do with what you said. So that reminds me, I, I said to a patient yesterday who's really worried, she's like worried all the time. And I, I had this diagram, which I handily have here. <laughs> a lot of people don't listen. I've got, I've got it as a prop on my desk for all my patients, but it's because they're heading down this worry. This is a nerve. That's another nerve. They're heading down the worry pathway all the time. So it's a really strong, it's like a muscle. It's like you're doing your deadlifts. You're really building that muscle. They need to be heading down the joy pathway and the love yes. pathway. If they, and so a lot of people's joy pathway is really super weak and the worry pathway is super strong. This is the one where they can't listen. This is the one where they can listen. So we've got to get them heading down that joy pathway and breaking that worry pathway so a lot I mean a lot of like positive affirmations and the law of attraction they talk about just heading down the joy pathway but you've also got to break you've got to do an additional step and stop that pathway by doing some really simple stuff like tapping ponopono walking around the house in the garden for a minute it doesn't have to be hours of meditation but you've got to break that really strong pathway even just noticing body sensations tracy like Mm. because i know that if i'm in that worry state like my heart rate's increased i notice Mm. i can't concentrate because i'm just Mm. like in my head um i'm really fidgety and then i'm like that's when i can be like ah i'm doing that thing what can i now create that's you know it's a bit like um neuro a neurogenesis or neuroplasticity like Mm. the default neurological pathways are so ingrained and 
to create new ones is literally developing another muscle in an uncomfortable way because it is uncomfortable. It's almost like, you know, going into uncharted territory in a way. But the more you go there, it's like there's a whole lot of discovery out there because it's not even like I would add to that graph or that diagram a bunch of other strands that go into destinations unknown. It's true. Like what else is out there, you know? Yeah. Well, that's usually that worry pathway though, isn't it? They're worrying about the unknown. Yeah. Um, like me with that... my back this morning and I said to Tracy, mm. because this was off before we started recording the conversation, I, I've injured myself, you know, deadlifting 130 kilos after breaking my back in four places. So that's a real sit back and laugh at yourself and the silly things you do moment. But I said to Tracy, you know, I, what was my words, Tracy? I, uh, nerve. Um, he worried about nerve damage or nerves. nerve damage, nerve yeah. things going on. And and Tracy created actually just reframing that language to say, I'm, I'm feeling um, my body signaling, my body <laughs> signaling for me rather than it being like a, a fear and worry thing. Cause I'll admit I was in fear and worry <laughs> and um and then now all of a sudden just saying, hey, my body's just signaling to me, yep, rest up, just take it easy, you know, keep moving, keep doing gentle movements, but I'm now like uplifted rather than fearful. Mm, and it stops you, if you believe in the law of attraction, it stops you attracting nerve damage. That it is a thing. a signal. Mm. We talk about that now. Go, go on, on to a topic, change the topic just for a minute. Well, not for a minute, just I think it is addressed. Um, and we've got someone that maybe, I don't know what they're about to address it with, but hopefully they can address some of it. Um, recently in my sort of um, close friends group, we've had three people that I know of in the last couple of weeks that have been diagnosed with terminal cancer. Two of them have passed away and they're in their 30s to 40s. Well, no, sorry, 30s to 50s. And they've basically gone from being perfectly good to being dead within a couple of weeks. Uh, no, more like eight weeks. Um, that's still too that, quick is there, no, that, is there's that, a diagnosis for that it's sudden adult death syndrome that's not mm. a diagnosis i was taught in medical school oh, <laughs> no, it's come around in the not, last year funny enough we've made that one up <laughs> yeah. and that, that's not that's that's just coming from place of yesterday um we were again we were asking his parents if they'd come up for the final session tonight because they could you know they, they definitely could grow out of some of the stuff we've been talking about in their own family and then you know they said oh actually sorry we can't um close friends passed away and i was like what and i and i've just seen this close friend and he was 35. Hmm. yeah i've just seen this close friend a couple of weeks ago dropping a tractor off um probably a month ago dropping a tractor off at their place yeah, yeah I've, I've heard there's a lot more aggressive cancers and and uh, and particularly in younger people in the last year or so. It's quite strange. A friend of mine was talking to a real le young leader in the Tongan community, but someone who, funnily enough, he was doing his law degree and then he didn't he didn't um, finish. He got the law degree, but he didn't finish his law professionals because he realised that too is part of a system, the system that he didn't want to be part of. Now, he's a real leader and he's seen 30 funerals in the last month, 30 funerals just in his circle in the Tongan community. So you have to ask, I mean, all-cause mortality is way up. We, we just can leave that there as a, as a truth, as a fact. 
if any of those mainstream media people who love to criticize and go after good truth tellers are watching, could you investigate that rather than the truth tellers and the brave ones? Could you investigate why all, all cause mortality is way up on previous years? That's that's a that's a good scientific fact, isn't it, Tracy? At the moment. Mm. Mm, yeah. Absolutely, that would be a great research. I was having a chat um, with someone in a similar profession to you, Tracy, after this thing, I was getting to know each other, and I just said to them yeah. about, oh, have you noticed any more myocarditis? And she came in and she said, James, myocarditis can be caused by many things. And I just said, yes, I, yeah, I agree, it can be. But how many of the people that are getting it at the moment haven't, haven't had mm. this? And she just looked at me, took a wee second, looked at me and just goes, oh, <laughs> and she said, you're right. And I just, I just said, no, I don't want to be right. I just said, I'm just asking you a question. And, mm. and that was, that was all it took. And then she, she actually just, she said, like, it was just that, that face that just sort of, to me, I was like, she, because the guard went up straight away. It can be cause of anything. I said, yeah, it can. That's true. I know that. I'm, well, I'm not a doctor, but I'm, I've read a few things that said it can be caused by a few different things, and I've, I know people that have had it before this thing come around, but how many in the recent times have had it just pop up? And, mm. yeah. I think it's important to ask those questions, and I think that's that's a good way of, of uh, waking people up. It's actually part of the course, um, is agreeing <laughs> when you normally say, when you normally fight against something, it's agreeing to... <laughs> Hey, Jono, I don't actually know what that's called. I'm not very good at it myself, but like something to do with in front, uh, which you Acknowledging see, what, knowledge, what the other person's and just, saying, and just leave it like that. And just, you can just leave it, the conversation at that point, it's more powerful than it is arguing with it. Yeah, yeah, hey, just acknowledging what was said and nothing added, nothing taken away. That's... Hey, yeah, James, probably, can I, probably... I just, can I just, uh, I just want to focus on something you said, James. You said, I'm not very good at. Can I help you with reframing that? Sorry. Yeah. To I'm learning to. Yes. I'm creating the possibility that I could be better yeah. at that. Mm. Or could, could awesome. I could be good at that. Can I get back you to that idea that you rephrased Tracy with, with Jono with the nerves thing? And you said, Oh, that's just like a little, it's like an orange. Oh, I hate this, but I can use it again now because they've finished orange light. Um, one of the things that I was taught when the kids were little was I would say to them, if you get a cold, it's like, it's like the orange light at the lights. We, we know to slow down and rest. And that's what a cold is. And my kids grew up knowing that a cold is a good thing. It's their body saying, oh, I must need some rest. I'm a little bit out of balance. I taught all that stuff about how a cold is a gift to us. And I was thinking about that fellow this morning in the hotel where I felt like judging him, going, oh, you've got a cough, mate. You know? You did judge <laughs> I did judge him. We've, we've all had coughs. But to say, oh, wow, you've got this lovely thing that says your body might need rest. Maybe we can all stop fearing colds in our society. And how could we rephrase that, Tracy? As a, yeah. this is my friend. It was never something to be fearful of anyway. It's just yeah. saying, I need a bit of rest. I'm a little bit out of balance. Or even, I, you know, I read this book's um, Radical Remission about people who've cured really end stage few weeks to live cancer and there's way more cases out there than um, mainstream media would have you believe but anyway this book's so inspiring even if you don't have cancer because you can apply it to any illness and there was one particular patient a Japanese guy and he um, 
he learned to, because in, in oncologists and conventional medicine talks about fighting cancer and beating cancer and really turning it into an enemy. If you turn it into a friend and think, right, what is this thing? Because it's just a thing, it's just a lump. What is it teaching me? What is the message in it for me? And sending it love, you know. And so that applies to any illness, whether it's a simple cold, just like cancer. Mm. It's like um beautiful. It's like what's that um, one called? Radical remission. Radical yeah. remission. Highly yeah. recommend it. Yeah, it's really powerful, isn't it, Tracy? Like we're taught mm. to, yeah, like the war on cancer, you know, like it's it's just like fighting, like fighting with more fighting. It just doesn't make sense. And you know, it's it's what you created there was like almost like what you resist persists, you know. Yeah. What, what you don't accept will continue to play out in your life. And um, you know, I really got the impact of choosing, you know, like for instance, right now, just choosing my back pain for my back pain. Just if I resist it, where does that leave me? Isn't that like the almost the definition of anxiety to like not yeah. accept something? And even taking pain out. Know, not using that word because they have pain clinics and they get you to rate your pain and they keep going on about pain and pain and pain relief <laughs> don't call it pain call it back signal yeah pain's not a bad thing it's not something to be avoided like the plague it's it's something to be you know aware of yeah but this i mean this war really is helpful for pharmaceutical companies they like to call it a, a war because then they can give you the weapons to deal with the war, which is all the pharmaceutical medications. So they've mm -hmm. created a war on cancer and a war on COVID or whatever else it is for a good reason, because they've got the weapons. Yeah, and what's, don't need it's weapons. a war on ourselves. So we're, John, we're yes. not- yeah. Yeah. Here's a question exactly. I got asked, and I thought this is a perfect place to address it. So I got asked by, I had a video last night at the Sky Tower and I said, um, I talked a little bit about the course and said about being authentic. I said, yeah, I don't know, everyone can work on being authentic, but I, I, I try to be authentic most of the time. I, kind of, I, I think I live, I try to live my life that way. And especially in the last few, last six months, I've really tried my hardest. Mate, I haven't tried my hardest actually. I've been trying a lot more. <laughs> um, and this person said, when you stay authentic, what do you use as a yardstick apart from yourself and the rest of society? And, I, and this is my reply, I said, that literally is the only yardstick you need if you're authentic. You're, only you will really know. Because I was like, well, how does anyone else know if you're being authentic or not? Because it's isn't it just this, isn't it like a thing? I don't know if that's right or not. That's just what I found at the time. Was more yardstick. It's like yeah. the, how that horses know and how yeah, dogs yeah. know. But this guy's saying, what do you use a yardstick? And then he goes, does being authentic equate to being truthful? If so, what is truth? And if you have truth, doesn't that mean that? To be perfectly truthful, you, every part of your life, for instance, you have to ever told a lie or be selfish or proud. I know I have. And I was like, well, I didn't say I've been authentic my whole entire life. I just said I've been trying to be authentic in the last, you know, like I definitely haven't been. So I just said the, the I sent him the definition, I screenshot the definition that said, what does authenticity mean? Um, put simply, authenticity means you are true to your own personality, your values and spirit, regardless of the pressure that you are under to act otherwise. You're honest with yourself and with others and you take responsibility for your mistakes so even in this video i had taken responsibility said that no i haven't always been authentic but i've been trying to improve that i've been really trying to hold that to high esteem and i said and then i look at what does authentic mean it says of undisputed origin not a copy a genuine uh, not a copy genuine um the letter is now accepted as authentic as the quote you had with it 
And I was just like, well, I was literally done all that, but this guy was trying to take way more out of what this meant to say that I've, I've never told a lie. I said, I, didn't, I never said I'd never told a lie. Of course I've told a lie. Everyone's, there's no one on this whole planet that hasn't ever told a lie at some point in their life. But an authentic person is full of human failings. But then he said, An authentic I'm, person is not a perfect person. This, this person here is mm. just, he's, um, he's, he, he's internalizing something himself, I feel, but I was quite cracking up. And, um, he, he said, is it possible to stay in, say in clear conscience that you are authentic? Because if you say only you, you can know yourself if you're authentic, how can you know if you're lying to yourself or not, if you only you know? Like, <laughs> I can give you thinking, the answer to that, James. You feel yeah. it. You feel it in your soul. It feels yeah. right. And if they, they can't yeah. feel what you're feeling, but if you can feel it and you feel you're being authentic, then who cares what anyone else thinks? No, but that's, that's the thing. I didn't really, really care, but this guy, I could just see he, was, he had something going on. So I just thought I'd reply to him and see what, he, see what he come up with. And the way he's like got into it, I was just like, if he actually listened to my words, I actually explained it in the video, but he didn't obviously listen to the whole video. He just listened to part of it and puts a comment up and then tries to pick out that I'm not authentic. I was like, well, I reckon authentic means unfiltered. And my, that's yeah. my, it means that I don't, I say something from here, not from up here. So when mm -hmm. I say something, I believe it. I don't. And that's why I think the media has a hard time trying to pick out stuff that I've said that's misinformation or that's wrong that's this because i only say stuff that i actually believe and i and i only believe stuff that i really can feel that would be right um and i'm not always right but if, if i say it i stand behind it and the only things that could come up with was i'm a beer drinking southern man who stands by the family and i was like yep stuff i agree thank you i'll take that definition and i'm going to live with that i even want my mother to make that my background my back saving stuff said Farmer James is a southern man who stands by the family values and drinks beer. Yes, I do. And I quite enjoy that on beer. And I was actually thinking another week, John, I was actually going to cut out drinking with you, but then I didn't. So maybe this week. Well, you got to do what's yeah. authentic for you, mate. It's, um... No, but I, I just found it. I found it last week, but then I was like, oh, I might stop drinking for a month. I will stop drinking for a month. Wait, did you, you just like say that? I'll try to stop drinking for what's a month. Did you just say you're stopping drinking for a month? Yeah. Just ah. like, yeah. When are you gonna? What are you drinking? When are you? When are, what did you stop for? Okay, I've been here for. Well, I've been I've been not drinking for a month, and I'm not drinking till Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve. But don't don't you know you'll be genuine, and um, and it's really poignant how you brought up earlier how much of what we do is in to look good. You know, and I would almost say that to be authentic is to be the opposite of that. Yes. Like, you know, when someone, like, says something, like, really tells one on themselves, and you're like, oh, like, actually, I'll be, here's one, um, Josh James, the Kiwi Bushman, openly talking about his addiction to pornography and the impact on his life and how he's lost his family and children. Yeah. You know, some people could go to, like, oh, my God, he was addicted to pornography. I went straight to, wow, that is authentic. When did he do that? He just came out with that, like, last week I saw it. Wow. Really that just... That is authentic. Yeah? That is authentic. Yeah, I not looking good. Here. There's I no looking good here. in that. Yeah. It's, it's that thing of I stand here naked with flaws, with scars, with, with faults, with mistakes I've made in my past. So what? I'm human, and you're human. And, you know, if somebody ever came after anybody that, that I knew closely and loved. I'd love to say to those journalists of stuff, 
Who of you has not made mistakes or done things that you might regret? You know, how dare you stand there judging others? But I need to say that to myself first, you know? It's, it's so wonderful being human. We're so full of contradictions. But to be human is to, is to lie and to make mistakes and to regret and to put it right. I don't think not you actually truly know who you are until you make the mistakes of knowing what yes. you're not. No. You know, then you know, I was like, oh, that didn't feel right. I need to, I need to readjust it. that. And yeah. like recently, yeah. I, keep, I keep having some moments, like one of my moments when I realised I've gone off course is when I drowned my truck in the river and I'm sitting in the river with the water over my waist and my, what was it, a year and a half old truck, which I'd always wanted my whole life and I really, really fought hard to get. And then I had it in the middle of this river and I had this realisation that the truck meant nothing. It was just a vehicle. <laughs> it wasn't just an, it was a nothing burger and I and I just drowned it in this river and that's what it took me to realise that I just was chasing something that didn't matter. Wow. And yeah, it, it was it was literally like a moment. I was like, oh, okay, this doesn't matter. This wow. truck. I had, two, I had three kids in this truck with me and I was like, I was more worried about getting the kids to safety. Like, should we jump out? I was like, do not jump out because the river was pretty slow. So I said, you just stay in the truck. We'll be right. We'll get, you know, we'll get out, but just don't jump out at the moment. Put the windows down and we'll get ourselves out of here. And we didn't get ourselves out, we needed hand, but we, you know, we got out and it was just a lesson. And at that moment, I didn't even care whether I got insurance for the truck, I didn't care whether I got anything for the truck. It was just that it was to me, it was, it was I realized that I'd, I'd just been chasing something that didn't matter, that really yeah. it was just a nothing. There was a, it was a, oh my goodness, man, you wanted the, the image of the new truck, and then you got the new truck, and there was no great like sense of achievement, really, was there? Was, or if there was, it would have been like very short. Yeah, so me and Steph had finally just, on my whole life, I wanted to have two new vehicles. I don't know why. Well, I do know why, actually. After this weekend, I know why. It's because when I was younger, we didn't have we didn't have that much. We were, like, we were quite poor. Well, we were poor. And everyone else had all these flash vehicles. And, and it was my symbol to be, I, I was worth something, to have these symbols. So when I finally got these symbols, I literally just got Steph for a truck. And so we've had two matching trucks that are really cool trucks, like John O'Sandon, like just like, you know, I was really happy, I was proud of myself to get to that moment, but then I realised it meant nothing. It just, just, so I actually gave, um, I ordered a new truck when I got, and I, I didn't know if I was getting insurance or not, but I ordered a new truck. And then I, I realised, oh, I don't actually need that new truck. So I gave it to my worker. I didn't give it to him, but he um, got it. And if he works the next three years, it's his truck. And, um, then I bought myself a 10-year-old Hilux and I'm just gonna be I'm just gonna sit that for a while until I deserve until I think I actually deserve something better and I'm not doing it just for lots, I'm doing it because of, you know, just because it I don't know why I'm doing it. Just when I know it's the right time, I'll get myself a, another truck. You're not lusting after it. I remember Paul mm. Holmes at the time I worked with him and we were really good mates. I could talk really straight to Paul. I used to tell him all the time he had to stop his drinking, but he never listened to me on that. But anyway. Um, he had the most expensive car in New Zealand at the time, and I met him down in the TGNZ car park, and I went, oh, Paul, why did you waste all this money on this car? And he goes, you're right, Liz. I thought this would really bring me happiness, but it's just another car. Now I've got it. It's just another car. And he, that was the one thing I loved about Paul. He could be really egoic and have lots of faults, but with me, he was very real, and he could laugh at himself. You know, that, mm. was, that was such a strength of Paul's. I could send him up, and he was sweet. <laughs> He was silly and he'd laugh. But he said to me, it just meant nothing. You know, it was just an egoic thing, the most expensive whatever car it was at the time. It's, it's um, like Eckhart Tolle, Tracy, I think says, what's um, worse than not getting what you want? 
and his reply is getting what you want. And then he talks about how all those Hollywood stars like Britney Spears say, get so much success so young. And then she implodes because where do I go mm. from here? You know, mm. she has a breakdown. Well, because she discovered that that's not actually success. In the class of us, and he was he couldn't quite understand how getting to where you wanted to be was failure. Well, not failure. It wasn't. It wasn't going to fulfill you. And he was like, a, he was a cyclist. And and I just told him, I said, I'll tell you how I know because I've got to that point, and then I felt hollow, and it actually made me pretty much almost destroyed me because I just felt like I had nothing. I was like, what the hell's wrong with me? But then I just realised that chasing these things, it's like if you got on that podium and got that gold medal at the World Champs, you would still in a couple of months realize that oh it doesn't matter it doesn't it just doesn't matter and it's, it's a distraction from the fear and the pain they're feeling that's all he, it he is looked, he just looked at me and goes oh and i was like yeah those gold medalists are hot like they have to want something else the gold medalist has to be a byproduct of wanting something else otherwise you know if you just get it you're just going to be like oh, left with this whole feeling of really disappointment because you're not going to mm. get what you're going to get out of it so Tracy, what is that with all your reading, all your beautiful understanding? Because you, to me, are what a doctor really is. You, yes, you understand all the medical side and the and the physiology and, and how the body works. But you've you've taken it so much further into how our thoughts create our health and our ease or our dis-ease. And you understand to an extent. I mean, none of us have the full picture, but you, to me, are one of the ones who really understands the greater purpose of our existence. What do you reckon it is that we are? What are we here for? What, what's your feeling on that? It's a huge question. Oh, wow. That's a profound question. <laughs> um, huge question. I just, yeah, well, I, I think um, what we're here for is, is to find a way of loving ourselves so that we can then love others. There it is. I think wow. it's just as, just as simple. And then just, you know, talking about mistakes again, there's, there's no real mistakes unless you repeatedly do the same shit all the time. That's... That's a mistake, not the first time. The first time is just a learning opportunity. They're not mistakes, they're lessons. Learning opportunities or lessons, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But not feeling like we have to we have to have lessons, you know, or or feeling like the lessons have to be so hard, you know, putting out to the universe, God, source, whatever you want to call it, and say, hey, you may have done those lessons that hard in the past. But I don't need it that hard anymore. I want the gentle version of the lesson if you have to give me a lesson. <laughs> yeah. It's just like that lesson of in the past, if I was up to more waste inside my truck and this thing that I really like, thought I needed, my first thing would have been to get really, really mad and just like just be real angry. And, I, and to be fair, the first time, not the first time in my life, but the first time I've been in that situation where I just felt that that was not going to accomplish anything to get pissed off because of something that I'd just done a stupid thing. I knew I did a stupid thing. I was like, oh, well, that's my mistake. And it cost me 50, 60 grand, it does. And I, and I just owned it. And then I was just like, oh. Because I, I was on Christian camp as well, so I couldn't really just go swear my head off anyway. So I was lucky that I couldn't be there. <laughs> um, and I had the three, uh, four kids in the back of the truck. And I was just like, I felt really just, I just felt disappointed for them that I'd done this to them. And they were just, they were having the best time. They probably had an adventure, yeah. Yeah, they were like, this is awesome. And I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got back and then, yeah, and I was just like, these kids are like, James is a legend. I was like, yeah, wouldn't say that, but yep. Yeah, but don't you like, love the oh. way they look at it? You know, it's, it's the whole thing, looking at things in a completely different light, looking at like with those childlike eyes. 
yeah. whatever it is you know whether it's symptoms or things stupid things we've done or how our kids behaving or wives or whatever you know it's just finding that different viewpoint childlike viewpoint yeah yeah context context is like decisive it chooses what what happens with the with the variables of the situation you know you could have taken that situation and blowing it up to be like some high stress anger yeah. and then that for them would have been those kids would have been like a really terrible experience you know it's like um I was listening to a podcast this week on the Jordan B Peterson podcast talking about and um, they had this guy Dr Ian McGilchrist I think is his name um he's a he's a sort of science psychologist type talked about the difference between sort of the left hemisphere and right hemisphere of the brain you know left hemisphere being very like um mechanically orientated pulling things apart um focusing on the parts rather than the whole and then um and then the the other the right hand side being the more sort of curiosity creative openness um and what he created was everything is relation and i'd heard heard that in the past like oh yeah like people relations oh yep you know it's the sort of almost like the meaning of life is relationships. Yeah, I can sort of get that. But then no, it goes much deeper than that. It's it's beyond relation to another. It's beyond relationship to yourself. It goes down to the level of certain situations, certain situations and how you relate to that. See, like before me relating to this sensation going down my legs, like a nerve problem, to now I'm relating to it as my body telling me is signaling oh yep there's there's something going on here it's, let's let's give some love and attention to that it's like our relationship to the world is everything it's funny Jono because you the way you're framing it, it's really interesting because I've been Steph has this issue well, not this issue she she she's always got something wrong with herself like a pain and I'm just like I, I just I, I want to say to her this is what I want to say because to me it, I was like oh maybe it's just your body like you know, I'm just saying that maybe the pain's not actually on your physical body. Maybe it's like your, your, your mind's doing it. And then I, I just can't do that because if I do that, I'm going to like get yelled at. But she <laughs> she realised that the other day after the final session, she just said, oh, that pain in my back because I've been going to physio for it and that. But she said, I think it's just, I think it's just me. It's just in here. I'm, I'm, I'm actually bringing that pain to myself. And I was just like, yeah, well, well, well mind body medicine is so powerful though you know it's just like when we have an exam or something we get butterflies in our tummy it's it's there that link is there but it doesn't just go that way it comes back the other way so she could be in this vicious cycle where you know she's maybe manifested it in her mind showing up showing up in her body but those pain signals are going back and reactivating the mind you know mainly because of fear so yeah it's a real thing you know i have so many patients come to me told that's all in the head whatever the symptom is oh, and that's yeah. because they're not looking at the root cause so the other name for functional integrated medicine is root cause medicine and you guys farmers will get this but my colleagues just conventional colleagues just don't get this and I've got a nice plant here to demonstrate what I mean with my cute little plant pot um, but conventional medicine basically if you imagine any symptom of disease is like the leaf a dying leaf Conventional medicine's approach is to cut that leaf off by giving you a tablet cream on operation. What we're doing with functional medicine is looking at the roots in the soil. And you guys know which is going to make the plant grow better. Well, I would challenge that. That is the so agricultural cool. system is very similar to Tracy. Ah, it's very symptom based. 
Yeah. And we no, have a can know. where you have a pill, we have a can or a drum. But John mm. she's still saying that the whole system, the, the whole system it's all of part of the system, is what she's saying. It's not just because of that one object, it's part of the whole system, yeah. isn't it? Which is all what your system is about. Very so so what I'm trying to emphasize is we have to, Good whether it's agricultural or medicine, we have to, and I plead a patience. If yeah. they don't have to come see me, just get their doctors to look at the roots in the soil, you know, which is the root cause. Basically, every symptom of disease is caused by inflammation. Inflammation is caused by a stressor. And conventional medicine doesn't look at those stressors. It's not just mental and emotional. There's physical, there's chemical, there's heavy metal, covert infections like molds, EMFs. Yeah, mental and emotional, but there's all those other ones. And, and basically, conventional doctors tell their patients if they can't find something they can give a tablet for, it's in your head. They might give them an antidepressant, but they're not looking at that root cause because they're not trained in medical school. It took years of extra training and about a quarter of a million dollars extra training to be able to know how to assess and then treat the roots in the soil and that's the only way you yeah you might let the plant look a little bit better for a short time by cutting off the dead leaf but you're just going to get more dead leaves coming up so i plea with patients to look at the roots in the soil that goes into Jono's um thing if you add nitrogen fertilizer you might get a short response but you won't get a long-term response there you go Jono. because you haven't reached the soil tracy you are such a treasure we'd love to have you on again next week it might be Susie again would you think about coming back on for one more week i know sure thing. I, i'm Just getting so a lot out of it like james said so beautiful and i just want to finish with this little story that i didn't tell james that i would tell but yesterday um me and steph were talking and they were talking about this gorgeous boy they had, Bronson, and there's a whole story behind Bronson, which I won't go into. But there was this image that, um, that James just mentioned in passing. And when I was doing my teeth this morning, I was thinking, that woman in whatever TV one or the Herald or whatever she wrote said that James was represented toxic masculinity. Get this image. He's, he's got Bronson. He's looking after this baby boy. And he was telling me yesterday how in the early years he would tuck Bronson into the front of his jacket and be on that tractor day in, day out. That is not a toxic man. That is a really good man. That's the kind of man I'm so proud of that we still have lots of in New Zealand. That was just a beautiful story, James. It wasn't quite tucking into the tractor. It was more on the motorbike. But, um, <laughs> Tracy, you've got to go. It's, um, yeah, I've got to go. I've got a patient, sorry. But great to chat to you all. I love you all. Love you. Guys. Bye, Tracy. Bye. Bye.